Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast hosted by me, Tony Liebert. You can follow me on Twitter, as always, at Tony Liebert and TikTok and Instagram at Tony underscore Liebert. That is L-I-E-B-E-R-T. Gophers football is officially back. The Gophers play a game. That counts. That matters. This Thursday versus Nebraska at Huntington Bank Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff under the lights. Doesn't get much better than that. Big Ten opponent uh, against a program that's slowly becoming a Gophers rival. Um, I was just talking with someone the other day about, I think, Nebraska might quietly be coming the Gophers' third rival in the Big Ten, but that's an argument for another time. For today's episode, we will be breaking down everything you need to know about Minnesota versus Nebraska, position-by-position breakdowns, keys to the game, and most importantly, my official prediction of how I think things will take out. So, let's get right into it. Right off the bat. Nebraska football, a storied program. Um, some may call it a blue blood, some may not. They've had a lot of national success, won a couple national championships. One of the better programs in the history of college football. My opinion on the second tier of blue bloods. And but they've had some tough times. 2016 was their last bowl game and their last winning season. The Scott Frost era. Probably couldn't have gone any worse. Um, everyone has beaten that into a drum, so we don't really need to talk about that. Pretty obvious that the program wasn't in a good spot. But then they go out and hire Matt Rule, a guy who has had success at two colleges, struggled mightily in the NFL, and people call it a home run hire. Um, while I do think he will get Nebraska back to a bowl game eventually and back to a winning season, I don't know if he's going to be able to get Nebraska to much more than eight win seasons. I don't think Nebraska will win the Big Ten with Matt Rule ever. That is a far out prediction, but you can go back to this. Uh, I Matt Rule is a good football coach, but at Temple and Baylor, he had seven combined college seasons, and his total record was forty seven and forty three. So everyone talks about how he can turn programs around which he did those first two years at Temple and Baylor, the first year respectively. Um, they were very bad, um, only had a win or two in both those years. And then he slowly built up to eight, nine win seasons. And Baylor's uh, example, he won a New Year's Six Bowl his last season with them, won the Big 12, I believe. But um, he only did it once. It, it Anyone can do something once. You got to repeat. That's the hardest thing. Um. He hasn't done that yet. He hasn't built a sustained program. He's had one good year for both those places, but you got to do a little more than that, in my opinion. He's a good football coach. Don't get me wrong, but with the Panthers, he's eleven and twenty-four. He hasn't had a winning season since before COVID. Um, college football is a lot different now. Um, and while I do think, like I said, Nebraska is trending in the right direction. Um, I think it's going to take some time, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. For example, though, uh, like P.J. Fleck 
60% winning percentage in his career, 61 at Minnesota, 57.7 at Western Michigan. I just going to be honest with you, I take Fleck over Matt Rule every day of the week. But so in the offseason, Nebraska goes out, hires two new offense coordinators to pair with Matt Rule. Uh, Marcus Satterfield, one of the bigger coordinator additions in the offseason, offensive coordinator from South Carolina, one of the hotter names, I guess, in the coaching world. Not the not like top of the top, but he, he's a hot name, uh, especially at South Carolina, where they had uh, two good seasons there with uh, Shane Beamer. Um, Satterfield did well with Spencer Rattler last year. The year before that, they overachieved a little bit. Um, creative offensive mind. Um, the year before he was at South Carolina for those two seasons, he was with Matt Rule as an assistant offensive line coach with the Panthers, and then before that, he was with Rule at Baylor as the tight end coach. So, and even before that, he was the OC at Temple with um Matt Rule. So, um. And he was the head coach of Tennessee Tech in between those Baylor and Temple years. So uh, ultimately, he is a guy that Matt Rule trusts, and he's a good offensive coordinator. Um, If you've been following my Twitter, I tweeted out what I would take positionally for the Gophers versus Nebraska. I will admit, I think Nebraska has a better offensive coordinator, more proven than what the Gophers have. Two guys for the Gophers that are kind of going into their first year with the co-offensive coordinators things. Uh, a little interesting, but I personally would take Nebraska's offensive coordinator situation over the Gophers. But we'll get into the positions in a little bit. That's one advantage I think they do have. Um, but personnel-wise, I'll get into it, but I don't think there's many. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they go out and hire Tony White, an experienced guy who uh, was the D.C. at Syracuse for three seasons. Before that, he was the D.C. at Arizona State for two. Um, and then he had he's at San Diego State for a while before then, but um, solid defensive coordinator. But I'm going to take Joe Rossi every day of the week over him, and we'll get into it a little more with the positional stuff. But I don't really love Nebraska's defense, they got just a lot of question marks all over the field, and that kind of starts with their offseason as a whole. Um, 25 guys transferred out, 14 transfer in. That's a lot of um, movement. That's modern college football. We all know that, especially with a coaching change. Uh, most notably, Nebraska brings in quarterback Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech as longtime starter. A.C. Thompson transfers to FAU, who will start, I believe, week one for the Owls. Um, but Nebraska also adds former five-star tight end Eric Gilbert from Georgia, who... Oddly enough, is still awaiting a waiver to see if he can play, and the game is this week, so that makes no sense. But that's, again, a whole nother story. They also brought in probably who's going to be their number one receiver, Billy Kemp the fourth from Virginia. So they get, they have some big contributors they brought in from the transfer portal, a lot of guys that will play right away. So hard to do that week one. Um, but a lot of question marks, like I said, the Nebraska has the talent. They had a good offseason. They got a better head coach, a better offense coordinator, better defense coordinator, better quarterback. They improved their team. Nebraska was horrible last year. And the more I talk about this and the more research I do, I the more I realize how bad they were last year. And their program truly was just in a horrible place. 
So they can't get much worse than that. But like I said, and like kind of the theme of this episode, I think the Gophers are pretty fortunate to get them week one. I think they're a team that's going to improve throughout the year. And next year, they're going to be a team that I think the hype might be a little rightfully so at that point. Uh, Matt Rule has recruited well already in high school, adding one of the best freshman receivers um, who might play a little bit this year, but we'll get into that. Um, so I think it'll happen ne- next year is what I'm saying. I, th- I I don't know if they'll be in a bowl game this year. They'll be – it just – the question is how quickly do they improve. But like I said, Gophers are fortunate to get them week one because it's going to be the worst Nebraska. They're not going to get worse than this, personally, at, at least what I believe. So. Let's get into the position groups. So, at quarterback, whatever, whatever everyone wants to talk about, you got Ethan Kalik Manis for the Gophers, clearly. Jeff Sims for Nebraska. Jeff Sims was a relatively hyped-up recruit, kind of uh, similarly to Ethan. Um, Georgia Tech brought him in, and he was kind of supposed to be the savior of that program, a program that's struggled for a while now. He was the number 223 recruit in the 2020 class, um, four-star guy. He made 23 career starts for the Yellow Jackets, 57.5 completion percentage, 194 passing yards per start, um, 1.3 tight end or touchdown to INT ratio, and he is mobile. He averaged 50 yard, rushing yards per start. Um, so I think that's going to be one key in this game that I think is going to be very important. Um, I'll get into it, but I think. Based on the matchup, the Gophers linebacker uh, room is probably the biggest spot that if Nebraska game plans well, they could take advantage of. And I think, personally, that might be my biggest key to the game. Um, But, like I said on my tweet, I kind of compared all these positions. At worst, I think this is a push between uh, Nebraska and Minnesota, who has the better quarterback. Jeff Sims obviously has more experience, and... Uh, my Gophers homerism might be coming out saying I'll take Ethan more, but Ethan has more upside. We haven't he only five career starts to twenty three career starts. Jeff Sims has been the guy multiple times in the ACC. Nebraska has more talent than Georgia Tech, so we might see a little more improvement. But I'll take Ethan. But I'd be talked into saying it's pretty even. So um, under the running back position, the Gophers went out got Sean Tyler. We know that. Got Bryce Williams, the veteran guy. Got Zach Evans and Darius Taylor behind. I'm not going to talk about them because we have been all offseason. For Nebraska, they had Anthony Grant last year, who was their number one back. Um, he's played in 24 college games, 38.2 rushing yards per game in those in those 24, 4.1 yards per carry, six total touchdowns. So not great numbers, I'll be honest with you. But Nebraska came out and said Gabe Irvin Jr. is their number one guy, who is someone who's been at the program a little bit. Uh, he's played in 12 career games, but not very good stats. 18.6 rushing yards per game, 3.8 yards per carry, and two total touchdowns. So I do think Nebraska, the, their experience on their offensive line is a strength of their team, which will help them in the long run, on the offensive line. But their running backs just aren't special. Um, They're solid. It's just their middle of the pack, bottom half in the in the conference, to be honest with you. 
So uh, they're not really jumping off the page for me. Uh, this is one I just don't see an argument where you can take Nebraska's running backs over the Gophers. So I'm giving Minnesota a clear edge in this position. Clearly, in all these, the running backs aren't on the field at the same time, so it's kind of dumb. But I think it's a fun way to go through things to kind of help you guys understand who's on this Nebraska team and what we could expect in this game. But, yeah, the running backs don't really do much for me, So at least for the Cornhuskers. So um, I don't – that's not something I'd be worried about if I was Joe Rossi. I'd be much more worried about Jeff Sims' ability to scramble and be elusive and get those extra yards and extend plays against a defense that in the linebacker room and the secondary has Cody Lindenberg and Tyler Newbin. But outside of that, man, it's a lot of question marks. That's something I've been talking about. So if Jeff Sims gets out, gets to the second level, he can extend plays. That is his strength, and I think that is what the Gophers should be focused on in this game. Wide receiver, another clear win for the Gophers. I'll be honest with you. This one's not really even close. Well, I would take all four. The I would take Daniel Jackson, Crab, Elijah Spencer, and Corey Crooms over uh, Nebraska's number one receiver. Um, they had uh, his name, to be honest with you. I should write this down, but their number expected number one receiver just left the team about a few weeks ago. Undisclosed re reason, I bet it was team rules, or he wasn't seeing eye to eye with um, which rule. Pretty uh, clear thing you can speculate. Um, don't really see how it would be any other reason. But um, now they got Billy Kemp transfer from wider from Virginia. Uh, probably going to play in the slot, but he's going to be the guy I think that'll get the most targets in this offense. Um, honestly, maybe. They're going to use their tight end a lot because that's something that Satterfield liked at South Carolina um, with Jaheim Bell last year, I believe is that guy's name. But, um, yeah, he used the tight end a fair amount, so we could see that a little bit in this game. Again, why the linebacker room is such a big point in this game because they're going to be tested. I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't know how confident I am in their number two linebacker option because – haven't seen it. Um, Cody Lindenberg more than capable being the uh, Mike Green Dot, all that. But we'll get to that one once we get to the defense. So they got Billy Kemp, four and a half catches per game, 27.3 yards per game. He's played in 43 games, a lot of experience when he was at Virginia, eight career touchdowns. So proven guy. Um, if he was on the Gophers, I obviously would like him, but. So he, he, he's a number two receiver on a good team, I'd say. And then on the outside, they got Marcus Washington, 42 career games. He's had a lot of chances, but he's only had 1.3 catches per game, 20 yards per game, four career touchdowns. Big play guy, talented guy. And I think a lot of these guys will be better with Satterfield and Matt Rule because it's a better system. They have more, they have more discipline. They're going to be a better team, and these players are going to be better. We're going to see the best out of Marcus Washington and Billy Kemp. So, again, don't want to ever overlook a team like Nebraska because they have the talent, even in the wide receiver room. But none of them have shown it because they've been in uh, the, the dumpster, to be to put it to put it lightly. Uh, number three receiver, another outside guy, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, 16 games. Talented guy, 
might be one of more my more favorite options on this team. Could be the number one guy. Oh, uh, like I said, Kemp's more of a slot guy, so um, I don't know how much they'll use the slot. Satterfield is pretty modern with his offense, and so the slots and the tight ends, I think, are going to get a lot of targets. But three catches per game for uh, IGC. I don't know if they go about him, but hyphenated name. It's always fun to say that. Um, forty-seven point four yards per game in his sixteen career on appearances and five career touchdowns. So he's he's a guy who's proven it, and he can prove it this year. Um, I think that's well. Uh, the Gophers usually don't uh shadow anyone, so it's not like Wally's going to shadow anyone. But that's a guy he could be matched up with a lot, and I think it'd be a good matchup. But um, I'm taking Wally in that matchup. And then the wild card on this team is Malachi uh, Coleman, who was their prized uh, recruit in the offseason. Four-star prospect, uh, number 63 ranked recruit in the class, so pretty close to a five-star. A really high-level guy. Don't know if we'll see much of him week one. So mentioning him is probably kind of irrelevant, to be honest, but um, everyone on here is probably Big Ten fans, but he's a name we might hear a lot of next year or late in the season if Nebraska starts getting it rolling. So um, that's the wide receivers, tight ends. Gophers are going to have the best tight end in every single game they play this year, to put it honestly. So, um, Brevin Spanford and Nick Keller up, great duo. Jamison Gears in there for Nebraska. One of their prize transfer ads was Eric Gilbert, one of the highest ranked tight end recruits in the internet recruiting era. But he's still awaiting a NCAA waiver because he originally committed to LSU, transferred to Georgia. Now he's uh, second transfer to Nebraska. It is ridiculous that the NCAA is waiting until the week of the game to tell him if he can play or not. Once we get into week three, North Carolina had a similar situation, but that's just absurd. Um, he For that reason, I don't think that, uh, Nebraska is putting him a lot in their great game plan because they don't really know if he's going to be there or not. So, but very talented player. Um, his first full season as a true freshman, he had a 62 PFF run blocking grade, which is pretty good for a tight end. Three and a half or uh, catches per game in his 11 career appearances, 34, almost 35 yards per game, and three touchdowns. Pretty good numbers for a tight end that played most of those games in his true freshman season in the SEC. So very talented guy. Don't know if we'll see much of him, but one of the more talented players on their team. Uh, their tight end will probably be Nate Bohr for sure. Um, who's played 15 career games, 50.6 PFF run blocking grade, only eight career receptions and 86 yards for a touchdown. So not a huge uh, receiving threat. That's why uh, Gilbert might get more of those receiving options if he plays in this game. But um, I don't think the tight end room is a huge component in this game. Um, I don't know if they have the personnel that they want for to feature them in the passing game as much. Like I said, if Gilbert plays, he can get three or four catches, and he's talented enough to take one of those to the house, depending where it is on the field, obviously. But um, the tight end versus linebacker combo uh, in routes would be interesting because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If Ryan Seelig or um, Joey Gerlock or Devin Williams lines up against Eric Gilbert, I'm going to take Eric Gilbert. Um more talented player. So that's an interesting matchup if it does happen in this game. But we obviously don't know because he might not be able to play all season. So um, 
that is the offensive skill position players. And then on to the offensive line. This is the only one I gave Nebraska the edge in my tweet, solely based off experience. The Gophers have zero offensive linemen with 1,000 career college snaps. Nebraska has three. The Gophers have um, only two offensive linemen with more than uh, 450. Nebraska doesn't have one with less than 890. Or, yeah. Oh, they have four guys with over 1,000 snaps. But so last year, if you look at their PFF grade, it all stunk. Their whole team stunk, so I don't think you can really put much into that. When you have a, a struggling offense, an offense with no identity, it's hard for the offensive line to perform well. Uh, they got Turner Corcoran at left tackle at a 32.7 PFF grade, but he has nearly 1,700 career snaps. Um, left guard Ethan Piper, 60.2 PFF grade last year, 1,315 career snaps. Ben Scott at center, 1,776 career snaps. Right guard uh, Nordin Nuili, who has 890 career snaps. And then a right tackle, they got a name familiar to Minnesota high school sports fans, Bryce Benhart from Lakeville uh, North, someone that most Minnesota high school sports fans don't like. And if you're certainly if you're Gophers fans, but um, he has almost 2,000 career snaps. So I think Nebraska's offensive line will be good, but I'm getting a lot higher on the Gophers defensive line, and I think they're going to have a pretty good year. So uh, I think it'll be a pretty even matchup solely based off experience. Those guys have done it before. So um, that's something that I think will help Nebraska's offense in this game is that they can lean on. Five guys who've done it before. For example, Minnesota's likely going to start a guy who has less than 60 career college snaps. Their center has less than 500. Martez Lewis has less than 100. Ariante Ursary has almost 1,000, and Quinn Carroll has almost 1,000. So they're guys you can lean on. But that's three other guys with less than 500 and two with less than 100. So that's why, again, Minnesota might have the more talent, but Nebraska has the experience, and offensive line is something that experience matters so much, and continuity matters so much. So that's why I would take Nebraska in this scenario. Kind of dumb, like I've been saying, because they're not going to play against each other. But um, and Nebraska has a solid offensive line uh, that I think might be the strength of their offense. So I think Minnesota has better offense. But like I said, I think Nebraska has a better play caller. Minnesota few more questions in that area. Um, so this is still an interesting game. Like I said, a lot of people are saying, oh, Nebraska, game one, Matt Rule, new quarterback, new offense, all this stuff, and they're like, oh, Gophers are going to win. Well, I don't want to spoil my prediction. I might agree. I think a lot of people could be overlooking this Nebraska team, the more I talk about it. But defensive line, this is one Gophers runaway. Uh, Nebraska has solid talent. They got uh, Chief Borders, great name, all all name team from Florida transfer, who's talented, but he's only has nineteen career snaps. MJ Sherman transferred from Georgia, very talented, only ninety eight career snaps. Their returning guys, uh, Ty Robinson, be a hand of the dirt DN, eight seventy career snaps. Blaze Gunnerson, one hundred and one. Uh, Nash Hutmacher. 
um, nose tackle, 230 career snaps. Kind of similar to the Gophers to the O-line versus D-line. Uh, Nebraska might have more talent, but none of those guys have played. Uh, they have one guy who's played more than 200 snaps. The Gophers have Kyler Baugh with 1,200. Jalen Logan Redding, 500. Devin Eastern, 60, who is the question mark on the interior. But Nebraska's uh, D-line does not scare me, and that's why I think the Gophers will win this game because one of their biggest question marks heading into their season is the offensive line. And I don't, Nebraska's D-line's not putting any fear into those guys. Uh, no fear into Coach Callahan. So uh, they're going to, I think, be able to figure out a lot of kinks in this game and the East, Eastern Michigan game. That's why I think the schedule is so favorable for them. Um, So the D-line's not really scaring me, not scaring the Gophers, to be honest with you. Um, Linebacker room. This is another one that I think I'd take Nebraska solely off experience. You have two guys who struggled last year, Luke Reimer, 52.5 PFF grade, Nick uh, Henrik, 45.5 PFF grade, but those both those guys have over 1,200 career snaps. Uh, Cody Lindenberg uh, played a good chunk last year. This is now his year as the number number one guy with Sori Marin out. Ryan Seelig, question mark. Devin Williams, question mark. I don't think the Gophers know who that second linebacker will be yet. Um, could see some Devin Williams, to be honest, but... Um, I'm taking Nebraska in this situation. And like I said, the Gophers' inexperience at that second spot is what concerns me in this game because Marcus Satterfield is a good enough offensive coordinator to attack whoever's there, and whoever's there has not played Big Ten football. So that's a question mark because when your second defensive tackle like Devin Easter only has 60 career snaps, you can hide him a little bit more. Joe Rossi's a good enough defensive coordinator to hide him. Don't need a lot out of him. Very talented guy who I think can contribute a lot and be a good player by the end of the year, but it's a lot of ass game one. So he can be hid or number two or number three corner or nickel corner can be hit on a defense, but a linebacker, you know, you get a, a one-on-one Eric Gilbert versus uh, Ryan Selig. Like I said, that's a, that's a tough proposition. And that that's a that's a matchup that Nebraska is going to want to feature. And you get Ryan Seelig in open field versus Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims, very talented runner. I, I don't want to be keep bashing on Ryan Seelig. I think he's a fine player who uh, will fill a Gopher's need. But like I said, he's facing some of the best athletes in the Big Ten. Jeff Sims is a tremendous athlete. Eric Gilbert, tremendous athlete. Open field. Cody Lundberg not, can't stop him. Not many guys can stop him. Antoine Winfield will have a tough job against those guys. You get my point. But one of the defensive backs. Another thing, Nebraska, a lot of experience on their defensive uh, side of the football. They got Quentin Newsom, their corner, 1,800 snaps, uh, which is comparable to Justin Wally. But um, they got Malcolm Hartzog, cornerback two, almost 500 career snaps. Omar Brown, name. Uh, Minnesota fans will recognize former Minneapolis North guy went to you and I transferred to Nebraska, blah, blah, blah. Almost 1900 career snaps. They got Deshaun Singleton at the second safety spot who does have only 67. So he's question mark. And then they got Isaac Gifford at that nickel spot, 700 career snaps. Um, But experience, I'll, I'll take the Gophers in this one, to be honest. So I, I'd give Nebraska a better linebacker room and better offensive line. 
but that's it only positionally. Um, so I think the Gophers are going to be able to take advantage in the passing game. Um, I think again, like Elijah Spencer on Malcolm Hartzog or Corey Crooms on uh, Isaac Gifford. That's a matchup I'm taking the Gophers ten times out of ten. Um, Daniel Jackson versus Quinn Newsom might be a good matchup, but again, that's an experience on experience. So I'm taking the Gophers receivers against the Nebraska defensive back. So that's not really scaring me. So overall, that is the positional breakdown where I see some Gophers advantages, where I see some disadvantages. And uh, now let's, I guess, kind of get into the keys to the game and my official prediction. I've touched on it a little bit. Linebacker play. Cody Lindenberg has the talent. He's shown the talent. He played in that Michigan game as a true freshman, struggled a little bit. Had to earn Joe Rossi and the Gophers' trust back. Came back last year, played really good the second half of the year. Was that second linebacker, kind of took over Braylon Oliver next to Mariano Sori Marin. Now he's the number one guy. Green Dot. Back of his helmet, calling plays, all that stuff. I don't even know if they have a green dot in college, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so is he going to be able to be an elite option, an average option, the same? We don't know that yet. If he's elite, that would take the Gophers linebacker room a lot up a little bit and it'll make that second job easier. Like I said, with Ryan Selig, Devin Williams, uh, Past few weeks in fall camp, seems like he's one of the better performers. Wouldn't be shocked to see him get that start. Ryan Seelig, the transfer from Western Michigan, is a guy that um, some Gophers reporters might have penciled in early in the offseason in the spring and the uh, early fall. But Devin Williams and Joey Gerlock, redshirt freshman, are two names that I keep hearing that could see some playing time at that position. But again, those are two guys that haven't played much in the Big Ten. So, like I said, Marcus Hatterfield, if they're on the field, they're going to target them. They're going to try to get Jeff Sims in open field one-on-one against him. They're going to do that stuff. And I th- I think that's a big key to this game. If they're able to hold their own, I don't see how Nebraska wins, to be completely honest with you. But um, number two key for me, got to start fast. If you start slow, then that gives Nebraska a little confidence. They're going in with no confidence. They have nothing to lose. Um, so maybe they have a little confidence, but again, they're expected to lose this game. It's on the road. It's week one, game one of the rule era. Jeff Sims, I think he's just going to sling it. That that guy had a lot of hype and he struggled. He's He's got nothing to lose. What has he got to lose? So if they can contain Jeff Sims in the running game, start fast. Those are what needs to happen because – if Jeff Sim get, gets over 100 rushing yards, that that that's a key for disaster, in my opinion. Got to contain him in the running game. Because if he's running, that opens it up for the running backs. That opens up the whole field. Joe Rossi is a great defensive coordinator, and I think the Gophers' defense will be fine. And I don't think that will happen. But they can't let it happen, is what I'm saying. And if you, you start fast, we all know when the Gophers start slow, like in that Bowling Green game, like in the Purdue game, like in the Illinois game, all this stuff. It's recipe for disaster. Like I said, they need to start fast, have a good first offensive drive, 
because and then on the offense, then Greg Harbaugh and Matt Simon, um, their system, they got some confidence. They're like, oh, oh we're doing the right thing. We got the right plays. Ethan has some confidence. He's like, oh, I'm doing it against a Big Ten, Big Ten team under the lights week one. Then the offense got some confidence. You start fast. And um, they, they the defense stops Jefferson. All these question marks in your head that the coaches have that they don't admit. The players have that they don't admit. The guys that haven't done it, those go away if you start fast. So that's why starting fast is important in this game. If you start slow, then you're like, well, maybe there's a reason I didn't play last year. Maybe there's a reason why we got this guy in the transfer portal. All that stuff goes through the players and the coaches' minds. So that's the question marks in this game. Um, And then the secondary. A lot of moving parts, like I said, uh, was a strength last year. I put this on there. I, I don't think it's really a key to the game. I think the Gophers secondary will be fine. Um, the second cornerback spot's the only one I'm not 100% bought into. Trayvon Jones, Tyler Bride, Tr Trayvon Jones from Elon, Tyler Bride from Georgia Southern. I, I love Jack Henderson from Southeast Louisiana, one of my favorite players on this Gophers team. I think he's going to be great in the nickel spot. Craig McDonald, another guy we don't know if he's going to play yet. Uh, still waiting that waiver, waiver. Ridiculous. But, um, yeah. So, like I said, contain Jeff Sims, number one. Which goes in turn with number two, that the linebackers need to show up and play well. That's kind of 1A, 1B, same thing. And then number uh, two or three, whatever you say, start fast. Get the confidence rolling with all those question marks. And I think that's really where it's it starting. Those are the th my three keys to the game. One, two, three. But with all that being said, Minnesota, six and a half, seven, seven and a half point favorite in this game. I think it's a pretty fair line, to be honest. Um, I, if I was a betting man, if you, if anyone listening to this is a betting man, a betting woman, I would take Minnesota to cover. If my life depended on it, I don't think I would stay away from this game. I stay away from most Gophers games, but um, I think they're going to have some success offensively, like I said. Um, and honestly, if I were to make a wager on this game, what I would look at is the over. I think Nebraska's. Offense with Jeff Sims might be able to move the ball a little bit. Um, and the over is pretty low. I think it's like 47, 47 and a half. So I, I might look at that if you want a little action on the game. Um, but I, the Gophers just have too many advantages, like I said. It, if you make more sense of it and go, um, Minnesota's wide receivers versus Nebraska's secondary, clear adv advantage Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's running backs versus Nebraska's linebackers. Slight advantage, Minnesota. Like I said, that experience. Minnesota's offensive line, Nebraska defensive line, advantage, Minnesota. Minnesota defensive line, Nebraska offensive line, advantage, Minnesota. So, if they have the trenches, they have the secondary, and they have the uh, running backs versus linebackers, you know, you get what I'm saying. But, again, it's the Nebraska running game versus Minnesota's linebackers is the biggest weakness. But I have Minnesota winning 27-14, which 
would not be the over. So I don't, I don't get what I'm saying. I I never consider myself a smart person, so don't listen to me. But I think that's a good score prediction. I think this will be a fun game. This will be a competitive game. We'll learn a lot about both teams. Um, I think it's a great test for the position that this Minnesota program is in week one. Um, this is the perfect like week one game for them that it's not like a a Northwestern and Indiana or Rutgers Big Ten opponent, but it's a talented Big Ten opponent. And like I said, we're getting them at the right time. This is a win that might age well. You look at November, Nebraska's five and three or something. You're like, ooh, Minnesota beat them by two scores. So um, I'm excited for Gophers football. I'm assuming everyone is listening to this too. I'll be at the game. First time as a fan in the stands since 2016. I've been uh, my junior and senior year of high school. I was playing football. And on Saturdays, we always had the film thing. Freshman year, um, I went to Iowa State. Sophomore year, COVID. Junior year in the press box. Senior year in the press box. It's my first Gophers game as a fan since 2016. I think I went to the Purdue game my sophomore year of high school. But I'm excited. If you see me there, feel free to say hi. Um, I will be at the game, like I said. So, like I said, Minnesota 27, Nebraska 14. Go for start the year on the right foot. And we'll end it there. As always, I appreciate you listening. Row the boat, Sky Uma, and go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.